I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know how much we love reading dog books. So, how excited are we to be jumping on Zoom to talk to Kayla Lichten about the very first awards just for dog books. It's called The Barkers. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi, Anna. So pleased to be here. Oh, well, I'm absolutely delighted, actually, because I feel this podcast is going to be a bit of an unveiling. It is. uh, You've very kindly consented to be, along with Joe, good uh, judges on the inaugural Barker Book Awards. And um, yes, so we're unveiling today, both as yourselves as judges. And um, just to give you a flavour of Uh, everyone a favour of what the Barkers is about. Yes, so let's go back a step and um, explain the Barker Book Awards. Basically, the Barker Book Awards celebrate dogs in literature. Um, So we have um, three categories. We have um, fiction, non-fiction, children's, and then we're really pleased to be giving a £1,000 as a classic award uh, to anyone who, if they write in, nominate their favourite dog charity, then in the name of a classic book, we'll donate £1,000 to that dog charity. Oh, wow. So when you say classic book, sort of someone's favourite, like maybe Wizard of Oz or something? Yeah, something that they grew up with or something, preferably sort of at least five years old so that we don't sort of muddy the waters with um, present awards. Yes, absolutely. So, gosh, so when will the awards be taking place, Kayla? Well, the entries uh, close uh, at for the 31st of January. And then we're hoping that after a very busy flurry of reading, um, that yourself and Joe will be able to announce the winners in February. Well, we will. We're, we're very excited to actually be, be judging this inaugural awards, to be honest. Well, who's better than the Barking Blondes? I mean, <laughs> well, yes, it was a given. <laughs> the book of the Barking Blondes, which is funny, actually, because it was at a literary event back in the day. I, well, it was actually, I think it was the last literary event that Joe and I did promoting our book called Barking Blondes. And that's where we met, wasn't it? So that would have been, that would have been about November 2013. Really? I knew it was the mist of time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was actually because, well, Molly was still with us and it, and it I'll never forget that event because little Mr. Binks, he was uh, my English toy terrier. He, um, he was quite new then, you know. He wasn't even Mr. Binks then, was he? No, he was still called Dexter. You're absolutely right. Gosh, I mean, don't listen, Binks. Oh, <laughs> He's just that. No, that's your past. We're talking about your past. He was called Dexter and I'd been training him. And I remember he did his inaugural sit to an audience at that event. And I couldn't believe it. 
wild applause yes it was huge just, applause everyone was and he sat there and he, he he absorbed it all in and he was so chuffed with himself it was brilliant actually and it was kind of the beginning of everything so it was a great event it set him on the road to stardom <laughs> yes as the co-host of course of this yeah. podcast so how many entrants do you think we'll have to judge in each category Kayla uh we're trying to narrow it down to um, a five or six for you to look at. But the response has been uh, really, really good. It's sort of very, very pleased. I think uh, lockdown has got a lot to answer for um, in people's a dog ownership and book reading. They've gone hand in hand, in hand sort of getting us through the sort of fairly sort of awful times that everyone's been through recently. Well, yes, I think, you know, and also podcasts actually have gone through the roof. But yes, reading, brilliant. I mean, it's never really gone out of fashion, has it? Or do you think there was a massive lull in, in people's bookness? Well, I think that the perceived wisdom at one time was that Kindle would would kill off uh, the physical book. And that has that has just not proved to be the case at all in fact during lockdown I think book reading went up by something like 43 percent um and the biggest um increase the biggest category of increase within the under 25 so yes I think the physical book will be here for a lot for a long time I know let's hope so it was something my dad always used to say to me it was like Anna why don't you just sit down and read a book because you know I'm always one of these people I'm kind of milling around a lot I've always got to be busy you know I can't sit still very well in fact recording podcasts is quite good training for me because I've got to sit in one place <laughs> which is great but you know in reading it, it just helps enlarge your vocabulary and stimulate your imagination amongst millions of other things and I think the latter part of that is really important in this day and age where everyone just goes on to google you know to get the answers for everything yes the sort of instant instant hit of um of information but uh when you i think especially when children are reading they they're experiencing things that are far outside their day-to-day knowledge which and they're experiencing emotions in a very very safe place exactly particularly when they're reading about dogs (laughs) well exactly they're um They've been uh, companions throughout. Uh, think of the favourite favourite dogs um, in in literature. I mean, dogs have played all sorts of roles. They've been the hero, the narrator, the villain, the constant friend. Uh, they've even been the detective, uh, confident. And uh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Peter Pan, the nanny, even. Indeed, yes, in um, in Peter Pan, yes, Nanny, oh, was Nana, um, she was a Newfoundland, yes. In fact, in the famous, I think it's the famous five. They have Tim, they have Timothy, and it was only because that George, in fact, Timothy was the fifth famous five, and it was only because they had Timothy that the parents allowed the children to range far and wide and uh, have all the adventures that they did. 
Yes, I think in the olden days, actually, you know, this whole thing about dogs and children, everything was a lot more relaxed. I don't know whether it was that children had better boundaries or dogs had better boundaries, but there didn't seem to be any of the issues. Now you mentioned dogs and children and people are like, oh, gosh, dogs and children. It's this big thing. And everyone's got to be really educated about how to integrate dogs and children. You know, when I grew up dogs and children just muddled along together very well. It's funny, isn't it, how times change? Well, they do, they do change, but then again, uh, modern parents, I look at the T-shirts and they've got badgers and otters and foxes and uh, sort of anything that could rip a child to, to part, apart, they've got them sort of on, on T-shirts and on backpacks and on everything. So I think the humble dog, is is a much better companion maybe than an otter or a fox. I think. Well, it's raising awareness about wildlife, I guess. Um, I, you know, which is important and 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 is of course something that dogs help us do. You know, get outdoors and and appreciate the nature that's around us. And we've seen that certainly through lockdown. You know, with this huge dog boom that's gone on I think people are really seeing the value of man's best friend again or I hope so <laughs> well indeed I mean one of one of my favorite books is uh high fella by someone called Ezra Ezra Zestel and uh she writes from a log cabin in in, in Newfoundland and very much is in tune with nature in a way that um, we, we could never hope to experience. Basically, I think she is sort of the original Grizzly Adams, <sighs> and sort of lived in a wilderness in a log, primitive log cabin. And uh, there's no way that we could experience nature as almost first, as the first-hand account that she gives just stayed, has stayed with me for a lifetime, really. Yes, no, absolutely. But, you know, for the authors in your children's literature category, I can imagine that particular category has had a particular load of entrants, or am I wrong? Is is no. that the most popular one? It, it is. It is the most, yes, def definitely the most popular. Um, followed, I would say, by the non-fiction. The fiction, there has been a lot of sort of lockdown romance novels I think penned uh, that, that that feature feature dogs um, I mean there's that convention um, they you can sort of just in a few lines uh, dictating somebody's somebody their dog and you know who you know who the character is I mean think about Bill Sykes and his treatment um, of his dog Bullseye and Oliver Twist. I mean, we just knew that he was an irredeemable baddie because of how he treated because of how he treated his dog. Yeah, exactly. So it's like dogs do have a role, don't they, in literature? You know, it's lovely to be talking about dogs in in all of this, but you you know they have authors for centuries have used dogs to move plots forward, to create plots. An opening plot in many a detective story is, you know, the dog will find some murdered person when they're out running with their owner doing their morning jog, you know, and so that opens the detective story, you know? Yes, I mean, where would the detective novel be, really be without sort of 
joggers and dog walkers in the early morning mist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And of course, yes, yeah, the, the treatment of does, you know, reflect that that human. I mean, poor old, well, not poor old Bill Sykes, but I think Dickens, he was, you know, giving a clear message there, wasn't he, about the welfare to animals, really? Oh, so yeah. I think Dickens was an animal lover, wasn't he? He was. I mean, he was a humanitarian across the board, really. So um, and and his love of fairness was also to, towards dogs as well. I mean, he had, um, what else did he, yes, he, he, dogs featured in lots of his books. I think uh, Dora in um, David Copperfield, I think she was shown to be very silly and nonsensical because the way she fusses over her dog. And uh, so we, we immediately know that, she, that, she's, that she's a bit dizzy because of the way she speaks to her dog. So. Yes, he wasn't averse to, to using a, a little canine psychology in his novels. Yes, yes. I suppose, you know, one, one of the classics that's my favourite by far is Virginia Woolf's Flush. Oh, with the dog as the narrator? Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that's another device that, yes, is, is fairly well used in, in literature to see um, the dog's innermost thoughts will sort of... Um, reflect its owner's innermost thoughts. I think it was also in Dog About Town. They had a Labrador retriever and it was he was the narrator as well, as, as very similar to The Flash as, as narrator. Yes, and I know, you know, it was initially, it was Patton when Virginia Woolf, you know, because it was all about um, Elizabeth Bar- Browning's Cocker Spaniel, wasn't it? And Elizabeth yeah. Browning was recuperating um, from something and flush her cocker spaniel would make comments about various suitors coming round and Elizabeth Barrett Browning's boredom and and it was really really well done but we know Virginia Woolf was a huge dog lover especially funnily enough of cocker spaniels. (laughs) Yes and uh, the dog can always see through human artifice which is um, has been very very useful I think uh, that in The Wizard of Oz, it's Toto that pulls back the curtain and allows us to see that the wizard is nothing. He is very much smaller than, than, he, is, than he is speaking about, so yes. No, that's true. Well, I've, I'm totally of the opinion that you can't lie to a dog, Kayla. You know, it's impossible because of their huge sense of smell. You can't deceive them. They know when your cortisol levels are rising, even if you try and act really well, that um, <laughs> you're calm and not stressed. They know otherwise, you know. So the power of the dog, I think, to humble us and really reveal our true humanity never ceases to amaze me. No, you're right. You're very, very, very true. So in terms of the, you know, the charity and this classic award, explain that one a little bit more. Well, we want to hear from dog lovers, their favourite dog charity. We would very much like the smaller charities where a £1,000 would go a great deal of the way to making a difference to, to dogs' lives. And if they can at the same time write in to hello at the barkerbookawards.com uh, if they could write in, say what their favourite, what their favourite uh, classic novel featuring a dog is, why it was important to them, and the charity that they'd like to nominate, then we will make that donation in their name and in the name of the book to whichever charity has been brought to our attention, mostly brought to our attention. So, will it be, you know, the the number that 
says, for example, you know, all dogs matter, for example, or they might put Battersea down or whichever one, they're all extremely worthy. Um, so it'll be done on the counts, you know, the most popular. No, not, not, not on the counts, on, on the story as to why the book means so much to them, because otherwise uh, the big charities, which are absolutely amazing, I mean, my own little cherry is uh, Battersea Babe, um, and I'm not sure who rescued who, but the bigger charities would obviously get far more in, on account than a small, say, Welsh rescue uh, team that sort of maybe only rescues uh, one particular breed. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I'm all for the small independent charities. But tell us a bit more about your dog and, you know, and how you came to rescue Cherry from Battersea. Well, I like to say that I practiced on children. And when I was responsible enough, I got a dog. Yes, I'd had dogs. I'd had dogs growing up, but I hadn't. I'd never had my own dog. And oh, Cherry is very much my dog. I mean, she, she was originally a family dog. I remember my husband came with us to Battersea because he didn't want us to get a dog. And he had to be there to make sure that we didn't get some awful dog, which we obviously would be incapable of <laughs> our own dog. So, um, yeah, so he came along, in fact, ended up as her biggest fan. Oh, so, oh. The one that walked her, that would just fuss over her. And, yes. So, as I say, I'm not sure, not sure who rescued who, especially uh, during that lockdown with, we dog walkers could go out, you know, to walk to walk our dogs instead of the sort of one, the statutory one, out in the day. We could walk the dogs. So it was, yeah. I think that that I think contributed to a lot to the uptake of dog ownership. Yes, I, I agree. I think, you know, people were out and about, you know, and saw us dog owners, you know, having a great time with our dogs and they all got a bit jealous and had this picture of perfect you know, life with their dogs on Instagram and the like. And I think that kind of, you know, promoted dogs during the pandemic for better and for worse, unfortunately. But I've met Cherry and she's she's a sweetie because she's a Chihuahua Jack Russell mix. Yes, I think I think it is actually a sort of one of those new breeds, a sort of Jack Chee, but in, right. but in her it hasn't. We call her Wonky Dog because it hasn't blended that well. So yes, she's very um, very bouncy, and Battersea gets a lot of dogs found on the streets between six and eight months because the breeders, you know, they're just not worth dog food if they're not sort of. If they're not perfect or they're not sold and they're not perfect although during lockdown obviously the the rescue centers were emptied of their dogs but i think unfortunately they're filling back up again which is why we feel it's so important to give this uh, classic award Yes. No, I think it's brilliant. Now, I think people are either trying to resell lots of dogs on the Internet. Uh, and for those that perhaps are a little bit more responsible about accepting their responsibility and, you know, admitting perhaps that they're not in the right place to, you know, take a dog um, into their lives, you know, or didn't realise the commitment that was involved, are rehoming them. It's obviously much better to take a dog into, you know, a good rescue rather than just sell it on, you know, from pillar to post on the internet. But that has been happening, unfortunately. So, yeah, murky waters out there a bit where, you know, dogs and humans are concerned at the moment. But I just hope it settles down a bit as we all 
get a bit more back to normal and people realize, well, actually, you know, I don't have time for a dog, you know, and are a bit more sensible about their decisions. Exactly. And in fact, bringing, bringing it back to books, I think yes. in the famous five, uh, Timmy is actually, uh, she rescues him, finds him abandoned on a moor as a puppy. And he's now got a second life as a sort of a poster boy for Plus Breeds, which is an organization dedicated to celebrating dogs of mixed heritage, which Cherry is obviously. So that's um, another organization that's quite dear to my heart. No, that's brilliant. And all inspired by Enid Blyton, you see. So it's this history, isn't it, really, of dogs in in literature that I find so fascinating. You know, they're used as a tool for the plot and to reveal characters, as we've said. But, you know, the legacy of the the great dogs. I mean, you know, Lassie come home. You know, I've got the hardback on my bookshelf. It was a Christmas present. Yeah, years ago, it was in my stocking. And I was so thrilled because you know, I'd seen the film with Elizabeth Taylor in it and obviously loved it and cried and thought Lassie was going to die in it and, you know, and all these things. You go through these huge emotions. And so the book is 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 a wonderful, a wonderful thing, you know. I think Elizabeth Taylor said that Lassie was her favourite co-star. So She did, yeah, <laughs> I know. She definitely did say that. I can't blame her. I think she well, totally had the right idea. <laughs> your family must have lost you for Christmas Day that year. Oh, they, yes, definitely. They they definitely lost me to the dogs quite a lot, I think, really, you know, definitely. But um, yes, and I think, you know, that's a, a great thing, you know, to, you know, sit and read on Christmas Day. But of course, we're, we're overrun now, you know, with television and Prime and Netflix and so many channels that it's so heartening that people are going back to reading books. I think they are. And most most of the most famous books in film, they started off, they started off in books. 101 Dalmatians, as you said, Lassie. They all started, Rin Tin Tin all started as, as, as books. No, no, I don't think Rin Tin Tin did. Rin Tin Tin um, was a real dog um, that really did live. And then uh, books have been written about him. Ah. It's the other way around for him, is it? Yeah, it's the other way around for him. And his biography was written by this amazing American journalist called Susan Orleans, uh, who's just obsessed with Rin Tin Tin. It's, it's probably my most coveted book on my bookshelf, actually. And the journey of Lee Duncan with his dog was just so unusual for that time you know we're talking 1916 he was born he was born in a trench during the first world war and it's a long story him and his sister were you know little brother and sister and they he lee duncan was a soldier in the american forces and he took them back to america the female puppy died um rin tin tin didn't anyway long story but i mean he saved warner brothers from um, bankruptcy he's buried in yeah, yeah, he earned more um, than Greta Garbo. He is buried in Paris in the oldest pet cemetery in the world. I've visited his grave, actually. And, yeah, an amazing dog and an amazing relationship with an extraordinary man that basically dedicated his whole life to his dog. Yeah, it's kind of, it's a very sad ending, really, for yeah Lee Duncan. Um, but 
we digress. But yes, Rin Tin Tin was just a, a massive film star. And, and I've mentioned before, when he died, he had a minute silence across the world on every single oh, wow. radio station. Yeah, yeah. He was a legend, actually. Um, and then they made a TV programme in the 50s based on, on Rin Tin Tin. But he died in the early 30s. But a very good age. I often cite Rin Tin Tin's old age at 17 for a German Shepherd as being really quite remarkable as most German Shepherds really don't live that long these days. And it kind of says a lot about all sorts of things that aren't relevant to this episode, but. (laughs) Celebrity lifestyle obviously suited. (laughs) Absolutely, a lifestyle, good diet, you know, and um, not not many environmental stressors around, you know, probably better air quality in those days through to, you know, a number of other things really. So I know, and I'm Dodie Smith, crumbs of 101 Dalmatians. Oh, she was supposed to be really quite an eccentric. Well, she, I think, I think she was. And um, although the sequel to 101 Dalmatians, now what's that? Um, Starlight Barking. Starlight Barking. That's <laughs> yeah, <that>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she did definitely go off on one. Although I think that it's actually quite a salutary tale for the present time because one of the pups, the Cad Pig is given to the Prime Minister of the day. And Cad Pig was the, the, the real runt of, of the litter and was barely going to survive. I think it had to be sort of helped along the wheelbarrow to escape originally from Cruella de Vil. So, and is eventually given to the Prime Minister. And when the, when the, um, the people, when, from out, when the dog star Sirius infects the world and sends all creatures other than dogs to sleep, Cad Pig takes over as Prime Minister. Yes. Um, Actually, Gemma, it's so long since... And I think possibly we could all do with a little Cad Pig right now. Never mind Peppa Pig. We could do with a Cad Pig, yeah. Gosh, Kayla getting political on a dog's life. (laughs) Oh, perish the thought. No, not at all, but... uh, (laughs) No, joke with you. Cad Cad Pig did a very, very good job and saved the day. I often say, actually, you know, if we had a, a, a dog as prime minister, you know, I think, you know, globally, you know, in every country, the world would be a much better place. Um, as dogs just get it right, you know, they, they're, they're only interested in the simple things. I mean, probably a whole economic system would crash, but, you know, we'd be living a much simpler life, go back to basics, um, and that will never happen. Um, but um, so let's recap. So the Barker Book Awards, the closing date is the 31st of January. The 31st of January. The categories are, Kayla, again. Are fiction, non-fiction, children's category, and then our special classic award. And a thousand pounds is up for donating to an independent charity. Yes, to an independent dog dog charity. Fantastic. And of course, the judges of this are going to be myself and my Barking at the Moon radio colleague, Joanne Good. And we're both very, very excited about this because this is quite, you know, it's an inaugural event, isn't it? It's the first of its kind. There hasn't been a book awards that's just focused on dogs ever. Not to my knowledge. And it just ties together so many different categories of book as well, different, different genres of book. So I think that it, the love of dogs has 
Facebook has opened up the book world. There we go. You see, dogs are man's best friend (laughs) in every level. And woman. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, Kayla, I can't wait and we'll be in touch very soon. So thank you so much for this little scoop, big scoop. Big scoop, yes. And and uh, it's been really it's been really fun to chat with you. Well, Sphinx, that's our show. What did you think? I thought you'd be excited to go to this awards. And you're right, it is time for Woof of the Week. <coughs> Reading about dogs from a young age teaches kids just how amazing dogs really are. <coughs> And I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Kayla Lichten. All the links are in our show notes. And if you want to get involved, be sure to vote by midnight, the 31st of January. Thanks also to Mike Hansen, my producer. Find out more about him at Pod People UK and about me at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. That way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now. Bye.